All right. Well, welcome everybody. Good to be here. We've decided to make this go out to eat Sunday since Rod and Sandy are here. So, Yay. so we'll let Rod sleep if he gets tired so he can go eat go. <laughs> with us. So last week I started a, a, a new uh, series, I guess. I'm a series teacher and I'm a serious teacher also, but I'm a, I like to do series and I don't know how long this will be. It may not be real long, but I titled it The Unforced Rhythm of Life. And that's not, you know, something that I just came up with. There's all kinds of teachings on the unforced rhythm of grace around the Internet because there's a scripture that says that. But we know that grace literally is our life. It's our Holy Spirit. When God created man, God breathed himself into man. And so God is holy and God is spirit. So evidently God put Holy Spirit in man. So we are Holy Spirit. And so today I want to talk a little bit about the law of sowing and reaping versus the law of spirit and life. There's always contrasting laws and contrasting beliefs out there. And we've all grown up with that. And that's the realm of opposites, right? Good, bad, you know, sick, well, rich, poor, whatever. And those are not realms that we should be living in. And there's really no such thing as that. It's just become man's false experience. And so we don't want to be that way. <clears throat> and I want to say this. We're not, uh, I'm not teaching these things to make them true. Uh, no matter what I've taught in my life, I've, the worst thing you can do is go to the Bible and look for something that you may be thinking that you lack and feeding on it and studying on it and trying to believe it to make it true. Because the very fact that you're doing that, you believe that it's not true right now. And the fact is everything that God said of man, everything that God said that he did is true of us already and always has been and we never has been and we never lost it. So I'm not teaching these things to make them true. I'm doing so because they are true. <clears throat> and Jesus said that the truth, or actually when you translate it, he said the undeceitful word will make you free. And so we want to make sure whatever we're teaching, it's truth. <clears throat> I talked to a brother the other day, and we just uh, I think it was yesterday, last night on Messenger on Facebook. And uh, are you over there playing? It's all right. I'm just playing with him. Uh, but he was talking about how he's always interested in people's different concepts and interested in the concept that I teach. And, and I talked to him about it a little bit. And I said, it's not a concept, it's the truth. And then people would say, well, do you think you're the only one that knows the truth? No, there's a lot of people know the truth out there. But there's too many concepts. There's too many perceptions. And I've had many, many, many people write me over the years and say, wow, that's an interesting concept. Well, how, would you, how do you think our father would say if he told us he loved us and somebody taught that and they said, well, that's an interesting concept. Well, we must be teaching the truth. And if we listen to the voice of our Holy Spirit, we can. I believe we're coming to the place where everybody's going to teach the same thing. Uh, I had another person write me about the teaching on uh, us being Holy Spirit and those seven, seven laws of really growing and understanding that. And he wanted to know if I'd read somebody's book. And I've never heard him before, that, who he was telling me about that. And he said that he listed those laws down like that. And I said, well, we all should be teaching the same thing. You know, we shouldn't be saying, well, did you get that from Bob or John or whatever? No, we're getting it from the Holy Spirit. And contrary to what some people think, I've heard people say, we'll never believe alike. And I just don't believe that. Because Jesus prayed a prayer that we'd all be one as he and the Father is. And I believe that's taking place today. So... <clears throat> As I was writing this yesterday, I was thinking about Easter. We celebrate Easter every year, and it's a fun time, and we enjoy it. But for the most part, we've celebrated it wrongly. We celebrate it as a penal substitution. And a real reason for celebrating Easter around this planet is that Jesus restored that which was lost. That's the real reason. And it didn't say he restored the lost. He restored that which was lost. And of course, man whose breath is in his nostrils, man who thinks carnal, man who thinks that man became a sinner or whatever. Does this need to be shut so that it doesn't glare on y'all? Okay, it's all right. All right, so uh, they, they came up with that, if you would. But what was lost was man's awareness with God, man's awareness of who they were, man experiencing life and life eternal, right? Uh, Jesus came to restore that. Even Jesus explained that. Life eternal was that they might be aware of and feel and have knowledge, perceive, be resolved, and can speak of and be sure and understand the only true God and Jesus Christ whom Father has sent. 
And so until we know the true God, we're never going to experience life eternal. We'll experience what religion teaches us. And as we have seen in no penal substitution uh, through uh, the Old Testament people, they only experience their, what they believed of God. And therefore there came, that came uh, brought penal substitution because they had worshiped other kinds of gods. And so they projected their belief in them, those gods into the one and true God, which is Jehovah God. And so Jesus came to reveal life and life more abundantly, as I previously said last week in John 10, 10. And uh, Father revealed that same life to the children of Israel. And contrary to what a lot of people thinks, when God wrote these things to them, like we hear it all the time saying, God said, I lay before you death or life, please choose life, and cursing and blessing, please choose blessing. And we hear that God laid a charge against them. And I was reading that last night, and I thought, that's not God. You know, part of that's God, but that's not God. And so I was just prompted to look at it and translate it. And what happened from there is the authorized King James Version of of, uh, Deuteronomy, I'm going to give it to you here in just a minute, uh, translated in a way that would make us believe that there is a law of reaping and sowing. And I've had people ask me all the time, well, don't you believe in the law of reaping and sowing? I said, no, I don't believe it's a law. I believe it happens because of our belief systems. I believe it, I'm going to talk to you a little bit here about it, but it happens because of fear, because we've been taught that all of our life. And because I, I'll just use me as an example. When I was a very young man, uh, and I'm, I'm a young man now, but <laughs> compared to some people, <laughs> but when I was a very young man and I had children, three little children, and I wasn't making much money, uh, I was beat up with the, the tithing over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there was a law that was taught to me that if I didn't pay my tithe and it wasn't 10% of everything I made, then God was going to curse me. God was going to get it some way through a wreck, through a loss of a child, through losing a job. The list goes on and on. So I believed in that law of sowing and reaping because I was taught it. Therefore, it produced fear, guilt, condemnation. And that was the excuse. I'm going to turn this fan off here if you don't mind. That was the excuse for the problems that were taking place in my life. And I thought, well, I'm just not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so we've all been there. And so the translators, their religious religious instructors, and the false uh, perceptions of the religious writers created that false law. So this is uh, in Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. I'll just read it to you. But this is the version in verse 19 that says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Now think about that. Does that sound like God? Is God against you? And Jeremiah says, I know my thoughts towards you. They're thoughts of good and not evil. They're thoughts to bring you to an expected end. In other words, to, to live as I created you to live. So, you, so when we look at the Bible, we have to say, is that God? And that I have set before you life and death. Is that God? He sets before us life, but not death. And blessing and cursing. Is that God? No, because he blessed us. And therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So I translated this last night. Because I knew that Father never gave death and Father never gave cursing. There's, there's no curse from God's whatsoever. So he said, I testify of a place of eternality in you, of the heavenly and the earth full of life rather than death. Having, having given you my image to benefit from rather than live as you were cursed, choose the life you have of me in order that you may be quickened, recover, revive, and experience your wholeness along with your seed. Verse 20, that you will experience your union yourself with the Lord your Father Creator, that you will hear with intelligence His voice within you, and that you will stay aware of your oneness with your Creator as your Holy Spirit, being the source of your life, your essence, and eternal life source, continually world without end, that you remain aware of uh, aware of your you being Holy Spirit, living out of the realm of spirit. And see, that was the promised land. And that's what the promised land pictured was living out of your spirit or getting back to living out of the cool of the day, which I spoke of to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to reveal to them. Does that sound more like God? And see, that's what God wants for us. So there was an Old Testament law that man whose breath is in his nostrils lived by. And for people that may be new to that, what Isaiah was talking about is man who lived by the five sense realm, not out of their spirit. Many uh, believe this law and it's so-called law, again, a law of sowing and reaping. Many wrongly teach the validity of the law 
and they look at people and they see problems in their life and that seems to be the proof of that law to them and they expect that and so what happens is because of that law people have to fight for their existence even after jesus freed us from being mere human if you would or anthropos or living that way people are still bound under the effects of adam's wrong choice and effects of the wrong teaching and the false teaching so the natural law the law of cause and effect and when i say natural i'm talking about a carnal law it's not natural because spiritual is natural right so the the carnal law of cause and effect wrongly governs our earth today and it's called a law of sowing and reaping which is the law of moses if you would so he and other writers and prophets were strongly influenced by these various uh, false gods and it was always filled with man needing to do something to please god and we saw that in no penal substitution a lot so it's if you do good you get goodness if you do on the other hand you do evil you can expect the return of evil and we have spoken that over people all over the world we look at countries that worship other gods and and religion has said they're cursed and they're not blessed and and that's a lie they're not cursed and they are blessed just like us in america we don't know that we're blessed we don't know you know i was talking to uh steve in a, during, uh, the other night and i was making a comment about how horrible it was that there was a woman over in uh, i think it's iraq it could be iran but probably iraq and she was helping she's american and she's over there helping people i don't know if they're nursing people or what but she was thirsty it was real hot so she went over to where the water container was and got a drink of water well that water container were for islamic women not 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 anybody else and because she did that they said she defiled allah and she defiled them and they were they pronounced her guilty and she was sentenced to be hanged uh, last thing i heard a couple of days ago they put it off but I don't know if it's going to happen or if it did or not. But I was thinking, I was talking to Steve about how horrible that was. And he said, yeah, but just think about this. What many years ago, if a black man or woman went into a, a place where it was for white people, or if they went into a white person's bathroom or drank out of a white person's fountain, the same thing happened. They were beaten. They were hanged. They were all kinds of stuff. But so, the, see, the, see, the whole earth is, is involved in this, not just other countries and we're the ones that are blessed. We're not blessed because we're in the United States of America. Now, I'm blessed to live here because we have tremendous freedoms. But the whole world is blessed by God. Amen. The whole world is righteous and holy. And we've got to get out of this realm of opposites and also the law of reaping and sowing because, again, religiosity has blamed uh, people's sins over uh, on hur hurricanes, God's judgment. How many times have we heard that? So this not, does not apply to what we do. We're not, we are not told, it, what we're not told is that if we believe in a power of evil to rule indiscriminately, then we see that in our lives and we allow that in our lives. And we, we, see, we see what we believe in other people's lives. And then what do we do? We wrongly judge them. Well, that's what they get. That's, they deserve that. And so if on the other hand, we believe that there's only one power, and this power is omnipresence and goodness and life and it's God, then we realize that this power rules all creation. And we allow that to happen because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is his realization. And if it becomes your realization, then what speaks that? Your mouth. And your mouth is creative, right? Isaiah 57, I create the fruit of your lips. So you, we are creative people. Now, we didn't create heavens and earth, but what I mean by create is we allow things to take place. We create atmospheres. You know, when people come into a room, I always talk about Melanie, how people love to have Melanie Judkins to come to parties or whatever because she seems to be the life of a party. When she walks in, people start laughing and, you know, she cheers people up. Sandy's a lot that way, too. And so literally it creates an atmosphere. We could have a couple of people walk in here today and start griping and murmuring and complaining. And I don't like where pastor put this chair. I don't like the pulpit on this end of the room. And next thing you know, what is it doing? It's creating an atmosphere. And we feed on that. Correct? And that's why our speech must reflect what we really believe. And it does reflect what we really believe. Amen? Yes, it does. So, huh? So it's only, it, all, the, all that law has done, that false law, it's a false law, it's not a real law, it's robbed of, of experience. 
because of wrong beliefs of our father and our, uh, of ourself. And according to our deepest expectations in our consciousness, that's what we experience. So if I believe in the law of sowing and reaping has a power over my life, then I'm in trouble. If I slip up, if I mess up, I'm still not mature in who I am. But I was just thinking about this, and I don't want to, I wasn't going to write a lot about it, but I think when I begin to wake up to who I am and I begin to understand these things, even though I may be doing some side slips, Mm -hmm. making some mistakes, I still can experience blessing in my life. John Cahill used to say this all the time, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm still redeemed. Because if you don't know that, and then you mess up, what, what happens right then? Your brain, your conscious awareness begins to condemn you, yes. right? And, and, and you feel guilty all the time. And you're always saying, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. And God, help me. And I'll be better next time. And you're living in that realm of sowing and reaping. Yes. And that's, that's not the law of spirit in life. Yes. And I'm going to talk about that probably more next week. We'll, a little bit we will today. The, but the impossibility for man to fulfill the original law uh, that, and, and what was added to by religiosity causes mankind to live under the realization of defeat, failure, and the expectation of punishment, right? How many people that you know that's facing death? And even Christians, even people that's been in church all their life, and they begin to fear what's going to happen when they die. Because they still have those memories of things that they used to do are things that they still did, even though they were Christians, that doesn't fit religiosity. And it causes great condemnation in our life. And therefore, they never ex- experience spirit life. And that's what God wants for us. So this false law of reaping and sowing makes us critical of ourselves. It makes us critical of everyone else. It's the basis and the platform for all judgment. Do you hear me? All judgment. You know, so whenever we look at somebody and we pronounce a judgment other than righteousness, it's because we, we believe in the law and sowing and reaping. They're not doing what I think they should do. They're not doing what my religion says that they should do. I mean, you just take a very religious-minded fellowship that believes you should wear your hair a certain way and your makeup, whatever it is. They, they have these laws on outward appearance and some woman walks in that does not fit that appearance. Is not every woman in that building looking at her? Every man looking at him and pronouncing judgment on him. And we can just apply that everywhere. So this law is the cause of all disease. <clears throat> disease. This law is the cause of all poverty. This law is the cause of all sadness, tears, and pain in the earth. It is the cause of death of the body. And this is what's notoriously taught as karma. You ever heard of karma? Isn't it karma kind of what goes around, comes around? It is. And so we hear so much about it. It's a bottomless pit and the reason for suffering and human anguish all the time. Because literally, the church may not be using karma, but they literally teach karma. What you get, what you do is what you're going to get. And so if you, if you give enough time, if you pay your time, you're going to be blessed. If you don't, you're going to be cursed. If you serve in the church and you give your time and your talent, your treasure. And I used to teach that. I even taught, you know what? I don't believe in tithing like the church taught tithe, but I still believe that you should give your time, your talent and your treasure. And I always said that was to the church, not to God. But really, you shouldn't give anything unless your heart tells you to give. If it's in your heart, give. If it's not, don't. But if you're living out of your true heart, which is your spirit, you give. You, you serve with your time, your talent, your treasure. You go see people. You go bless people. Whatever the Spirit tells you to do, you do it. I used to tell people all the time, I, I would have people say, well, how do you know it's God? Well, if it's something that will bless somebody, it's highly likely that's God. And you know, what, you know what's happening when the Spirit speaks to you to give? It's not so much for that person as it is for you. One of, the, one of the most difficult things in people's lives that's robbing them of living out of their blessing is they are not willing to give. Uh, I've heard this saying before, and I like it. They want to get all they can and can all they get, right? And keep it for themselves. You ever heard that before? Well, good. I made that up. <laughs> no, I didn't. So karma is not a spiritual law. What we do, we really realize that 
we're intended to transcend above that law of karma, above that law of sowing and reaping, even to get good. Because God's not interested in your good, and he, He's not interested in what we call bad. He's interested in you living out of who you are. You know, so the very fact that we sow to get good, it's another doing to be. What we have to realize is we already have the goodness of God. We already are good as far as God's concerned. We already are righteous. We already are blessed. So I don't have to sow to bless. I mean, to, I don't have to sow so I can be blessed. I sow so I can bless other people. That's how I sow. So under this law, then, karma, we would be motivated by fear, wouldn't we? If we believe in the law of sowing and reaping, and that whatever I sow, I'm going to get, there's fear. People have memories of things that they did in the past, right? And they have fear sometimes that that's going to be exposed, correct? And they worry about those things like that. And that's why, like on politics that we've been seeing today, with what happened to Judge Kavanaugh, and they've said this, it would be a very unwise person to seek office like that anymore, <laughs> knowing that's what they're going to go through knowing that they're going to go all the way back to grade school. I mean, I wouldn't doubt that they go back to grade school someday, you know? And so I'm talking, I'm just letting you know that that, that karma is a very strong false law, law that is really in people's awareness today and believers. And we must eradicate ourselves from that. This is the lowest form of motivation to get people to do things. And yet the church, religious systems have used this to motivate people. Corporations use it to motivate people. You know, we have rules at our companies, like if you don't sell a certain amount every month, you don't average this month, you don't, you don't call 25 people a day, and you don't set nine appointments a week or whatever, and they try to say that it, it's, it's, it's to help you, but literally, if you don't do it, eventually you're going to lose your job. And so people fear that in every area of life. Whereas love for Father God and living out of that love, living out of our truest nature, is the highest form of motivation of, and doing so produces life, peace, and perfection. <clears throat> trying to think of something I was wanting to say here. So, loving Father God is not so I can get reward. Because how many times have you heard people say this? Well, if we're not going to heaven someday, and there's not going to be a rapture, then why do I need to serve God? You ever heard that? Whatever their sacred cow is, if there's not going to be that, then why do I need to serve God? Well, what about the love of God? What, what, you know, if my father has not the ability to, my, my earthly father had not the ability to buy me a car or give me lots of money or pay for my college or whatever, then why should I love him? Well, he's my father. He loves me. It's not based on what I have or what I don't. It's, it's the love. And God's love is perfect. God's love is eternal. And so once we do love, then there is no fear. Again, there's nothing but life, peace, and perfection. And so we believe that it is Father who punishes us. And we've been taught that. And when, in fact, it's our own transgression of our consciousness, if you would, and our expectation of punishment that draws the suffering. Correct? Now I'm getting hot. <laughs> it's the anointing. <laughs> But literally, we draw that or we allow it because what you fear, you give it a power in your life. So if you're always worried because you did something you wasn't supposed to do or you're not obeying the law of the, of the church that they think God told you to do, then there's that constant fear all the time that you're just not living upright that you're supposed to, how you're supposed to live. And that's what we read in Deuteronomy when Moses wrote that. He wrote that from his perception of God, and also the translators got hold of it and changed a lot of words, where God says, I, I do this against you, like you've done something wrong, and I'm giving, you're going to either have life or death, it's up to you, you choose which one you want, and that's not what he said. So the carnal law governs a carnally mindful man. So if we're carnally mindful, we're always aware of carnal things all the time, then that governs you, and it wrongly governs you. And so I'm talking to believers here today. I'm talking hopefully to believers on the internet. There still are some things in our, in our head that are still as they're carnal and we still allow those things and we, you know, we, we keep those things there and we must realize that that's what's causing the problems that we have. It's not God. It's not just because I'm getting old. 
you know, it's not because I'm uneducated. It's what, it's what we believe. And so we're allowing Father to change our belief system systems. And uh, this is uh, really the law that we're under is an eternal covenant. You know, Kay mentioned this quite a while ago, but there really was no old covenant and new covenant. There's only one covenant, right? God never changed his mind. It's man that called it an old covenant and a new covenant. Jesus did not come to reveal a new covenant. He came to reveal an eternal covenant that God had for us from the foundation of the world. And so Jesus came, the true way was revealed. And uh, by his spirit, God was saying, by my spirit, which resides in you, and you drawing out of my spirit, which resides in you, is when you're going to experience all this life and life more abundantly because it comes from living in the cool of the day, which is living out of our spirit. We can read in Ezekiel 28, we're not going to, but there's a discourse in Ezekiel 28 where God has a conversation with Adam. And he talks about how, you know, Adam uh, cut himself off from the knowledge of God and he had this mindset that he produced everything and everything was done by the works of his hands. And that's where a lot of people are today. It's called humanism. They don't believe in God. Some of them believe in a universe and they think the universe is the power. Well, there's great power in the universe, but it's God. Everything that has any power whatsoever, the light, the sun, the forces, it's all created by God and God gave it to us to rule and reign over. And so uh, concerning what Adam did caused, again, this sense of separation and it produced uh, a separation of awareness as man's life source, separation from man's life source. And we always saw ourselves as separate from God. I don't know about you guys. I think I know a lot about you. But most of my life, God was out there and I was here. And I was always trying to get God here somewhere. Jesus was out there, but I'd heard he was in my heart too or somewhere inside of me. But it was always separate. And most of my prayers were based on, Father, if you would just touch me, if you would come to me, if you would do something. So that produced that in, in, in me. And so we have a life source. It's God Almighty. And it's, and it's God is right here. Now, as I said last week, I use the word in this writing, it. When I say it, I'm talking about God. When I say it, I'm talking about our Holy Spirit. I'm going to use that a lot here. But Paul spoke of the life within. And I've translated most of Ephesians. I'm going to have it done pretty soon. But Ephesians 3.20 says, Now, because of your awareness, see, we, we, these things become true when our awareness changes, right? Excuse me, they don't become true. They become experience when our awareness changes. Now, because of your awareness and knowing of you being Holy Spirit, look within to your Holy Spirit mind, which is revealing more than you could ever understand from carnal awareness. And I know that's true because most of my life in my studies up until 1988, it was a carnal awareness. I was looking to the Bible, to how to get wealth, how to be a better person. The list goes on and on. How to be a good husband, be a good wife. All those things that people are taught from the Bible, that's carnal awareness. And I didn't know much, right? And so moment by moment, keep your attention on the voice of your spirit, which is the power that works in and through us. Can we do that moment by moment? We really can. I, that, that's called living or walking in the cool of the day. When Adam lift, listened to teachers who taught the knowledge of good and evil, he identified with them, he agreed with them, and he self-condemned himself, and he left that moment-by-moment moment oneness with God and the Spirit, and he began to listen to that stuff and dwell on that stuff. But we can walk all day long hearing the Spirit talk to you. Yes. When you're waiting on people at the restaurant, you can hear Spirit talk yes. to you. You can hear instruction about somebody, and you can, you can look at somebody and see and they're having a hard day and just say something to them that will lift them up or bring them an extra little dessert or something if you're able to do that. We have a restaurant we go to quite often and the manager, we thought he really liked us, but we saw him doing it for some other people too. <laughs> but when we come in, he gives us a, like a $10, $12 appetizer and says, bless you, and he bows to us. He lifts us up. And guess what? He's not a Christian. Can you believe that? Huh? It doesn't matter what they call themselves. He's still son of God. You know, but I see people that are not Christians that bless people much more than, quote, Christians do. Waitresses can tell you, this young lady can tell you, Sunday is the worst day to have to work in the restaurant business. Is it not? Because they think they're there to be served and they tip very little and they're rude. We don't do that. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that do. 
And so it has nothing to do with your title. It has something to do with you living out of who you know you are, but you've got to know who you are and able to do that. You know, in the natural realm, I can't go out and live like a billionaire. But if my daddy was a billionaire and my daddy wasn't selfish and my name was on the checking account and he said, whatever you want, just write the check, then I would live that way. I would know. And I tell you what, I have a, a, a character and a nature within me. I would have a blast blessing people. And I know many of you are the same way. So Father God would reveal to man his true relationship as his creator. That's what he wanted to do in Deuteronomy when he was talking to the children of Israel. I want to reveal to you life. Let me be your father. Let me be your Lord. Let me be your source. He would cause man to see who he really is in the eternal oneness of the relationship with God. Now, biblically speaking, this is called a new creation. How many times have we heard that? You know, Brother Garner taught us Paul's system of truth in the beginning, and I did. And we talked about where uh, he looked at his mother and said, I make all things new. And a lot of the writings talked, a lot, uh, talked about how we, had a, uh, we, we became new creation beings after we got saved. Well, none of that's true. We already were new. He, he brought forth a newness of life that we hadn't been experienced, right? Hadn't experienced, but it was already there. Anything that we've discovered on this planet, was it new? When they discovered gold, was it new? It's been, no, it's been here for billions of years. Silver, waters. I mean, was it something brand spanking new? Look what we just now found, and it's new, and it's never been here before. It's always been here before, always been here. And so we're not new, we are eternal. We're not new, we always were. This word of truth that's coming forth today is not new, it always was, and it always will be. We've always been one with God. Why? So God could live through us. So God could demonstrate his mar marvelous nature. We have the nature of God. You may not be a giver, but you are a giver. You may not be a blesser, but you are a blesser. You may not be a teacher, but you are able to teach truth. Whatever it is you think you aren't, you are. But we fight for the right to say, oh, I'm not. I can't do that. I, I can't give because I don't have enough money. Well, right there, you say that you do not agree with God, that you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I say this all the time. The spirit within you is never going to say, give a $100 bill if you don't have a $100 bill. Mm -hmm. Never. Amen. I've never had God tell me, but I've had man do it. Yeah. I've had man tell me to borrow money, you know, I, I, and give. Uh, I've had a time when I uh, got $1,000 for settlement and our family really needed it. And of course, me and Donna agreed giving it. We didn't regret it, but we needed that money yeah. really bad. But because of what we believed... We believe that if we would give, it would bring a blessing in our life. Well, guess what? God met us where we were at. And he always meets you where you're at. But he does so to always bring you up higher. Because who wants to stay in that realm that you're always having to give to get? That would be no fun. It'd be no fun to have friends that you always had to do something for them for them to want to be with you. And the minute you quit doing for them, you're not friends anymore. I've seen that, haven't you? In many people's lives. So while this is referred to in many versions as a new creation, it's actually a creation that was known by the divine mind of God from the foundation of the world. Jesus came not to die for terribly horrible people because we deserve death. Jesus came to reveal to us who we are and to show us the Father. And he said, he said if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You're looking for this God out there that's not who you've been taught. You're looking for all kinds of stuff. You're looking for me to come and destroy the Roman Empire. You're looking for me to come set up on this kingdom and be an earthly king where you can set up my right hand. You're looking for carnal things. I'm coming to tell you, you've always had a God. You've always had a father. You've always been righteous. You always have been holy. And this has been true since before the foundation of the world. And it never needed to become a new creation. Many only need to take dominion and restore order to it. That's what needs to take place. Take dominion, restore order. Take dominion over your conscious awareness. Take dominion over your thoughts. Paul says when you think on bad things and evil things, think on these things. Think on the truth. Dwell on the truth. You really have to practice it. That You have to take control of your dreams. You know, sometimes in the morning when I'm just getting ready to wake up, a dream will come to me or a thought will come to me or something that's not expedient. You know, maybe it's fearful or whatever. And you know what I do? I don't lay there in that dream. I get up. I say, that's not real. That's not true. 
You know, whatever it is, it's usually Donna's leaving me or I'm, I'm lost over in Europe and they all left me, came home and my, I can't find my cell phone. Or I don't have any money. That's one of my biggest dreams is I go on vacation with my friends and my wife and I don't make it to the airport and they leave me there and I have nothing. <laughs> so I'm able to wake up out of that now and stop it. <laughs> but we need to wake up out of this stuff. Wake up out of this law of sowing and reaping and thinking that God's punishing you when God is not. He couldn't punish. He could not punish. He brings correction with his word. He brings reproof with his word. But it's his word. It's the word that he spoke, not what man spoke. I've never punished one of my grandchildren, ever. I did my children, but I wish I would have known. You know, I would, I, would, I would spank him out of anger when I was young. I, wish, I should have never done that. I should have waited until the, the fight and the frustration got over and then did some correction like that. But if I'm a good father, how much more our father? He's never had to say, I'm sorry I punished you. He's never had to say, you know what? The only time that he repented is he repented that he, he re, it, when it said repented, it saddened him. I forget the word that, that it was, but he was saddened that man entered that realm of the dust realm. I'll, I'll remind you that later it'll come, but there was a word beside repent. He didn't repent of it. Here's my translation of 2 Corinthians 5.17 and Ephesians 1.4. 2 <clears throat> Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, since every man be the embodiment of Father's Holy Spirit, he, she, they exist in perfect eternal life. The old, worn out, illegal state of living as human is passed away. See, that's what was old. It's not that we were an old man. It was an old way of living. And it produced a worn out estate. Look, perceive, understand. All things are eternal in newness of life. All things are eternal in newness of life. Our planet is eternal. Our planet is never going to be destroyed. Our planet's never going to perish. Yes, temperatures change. Seasons change. Times change. Sometimes there's all kinds of water in Oklahoma. Sometimes there's a drought. It's going to be here forever. They're, they just because of the hurricanes, they all of a sudden started stirring up global warming. Well, yeah, the earth is warming up, but it'll cool back down. It'll go, it goes back and forth. I mean, most of us in this room, the oldest one in here is about 70-something. The youngest is a whippersnapper. <laughs> How old are you, 21? 26? How long has this earth been here compared to our age? A long, long time. And yet people think that they can just... They can just say, oh, we're going to perish any time. Yes. Would you just read that first part again, the every man? Second Corinthians 5, 17. Yeah. Therefore, since every man be the embodiment of Father's Holy Spirit, he, she, they exist in perfect eternal life. So it didn't say just a, a certain few. No. It says every. Every. What did it say in the King James there? No, I'm just, oh, I'm just it's usually, yeah. Saying. I love it. It's awesome. Usually they put shell or if. See, that, that was if, if, if every, man, every man be in Christ is what that says. And they always put if there. Well, they are. And that's what Paul was really saying. He said, he taught all this. He said, so now if every man's in Christ, and they are, then this. But we read it, only people who got saved. That's what religion reads it. Right. Yeah, that's well, yeah, this Bible says anyone. Anyone. So same thing, anyone, implying that not everybody is. Okay, Ephesians 1, 4. In so much as Father God is our origin, so we are of himself and was before the conception of the world. We perpetually exist as Holy Spirit. We were Holy Spirit before we knew we were Holy Spirit. You were Holy Spirit before I taught you that you're Holy Spirit. I was Holy Spirit before the Father revealed to me that I am Holy Spirit. I don't have the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's not out there somewhere. We are Holy Spirit because God is Spirit. So as Father is Holy Spirit, we perpetually exist as Holy Spirit as Father is Holy Spirit. Pure and holy, we ourselves are in perfect relationship of His love. That God, by His Spirit, would live, govern, and be the life of everything formed. This is the definition of living by grace. Living by grace. And that's what God wants for us. So you can imagine that whoever or whatever Father God lived through, whatever, whoever or whatever God vibrates through and animates through and directs would be beyond description. 
they or it, because it, it's trees, it's whatever, would never know misery, would never know fear and darkness of any sort. So why is it that man has known misery, fear, and darkness? Why is it because calamity is going on in the world today? Is because man is not in full awareness that God lives and moves and has his being in them. Churches are all over the world. They come to church every Sunday. And the biggest thing that they're happy for is that they're saved. And they don't have to be punished in the future. But they're not living out of who they are because they don't know who they are. They have no clue who they are whatsoever. I'm thinking of that bear and the Lion King or that lion. And what did, what did that monkey say to him? He slapped him and said, you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. You know, we're not going to go slap people and say, you don't know who you are. But we need, to be, we need to be having our ears attuned to what people are saying. And when the opportunity allows that, bring exhortation to them. Not correction, but exhortation. That's why I like the feel, felt, found. You know, when I hear people say something that's contrary to the truth, I'll say, you know what? I don't know. I can't tell you I know how I feel, but I know how I felt. Huh? I don't know how you feel, but I can tell you how I felt when I learned something. Do you mind if I tell you what I found out? And they'll always say yes, because you're not correcting them. And then teach them who they are. So if we realize that God vibrated in us, that God animates in us and that God's direction is in us, we would be beyond description. We would not speak evil of ourselves. We would really know that we know that these symptoms that are in our body, they have no power in our life. Amen. We intellectually know that, but we've got to get to the place where we know that we know where we do not allow it. And it's not me, Roy Richmond, by myself. It's not me, myself, and I, like Paul said, it's no longer... I, me, myself, and I, but it's I, Holy Spirit. It's I in union with God. That's the life I live now. I live my life out of my Holy Spirit. I think out of my Holy Spirit. I react out of my Holy Spirit. So that's one thing that I am and, and asking the Father to help me with more and more is I want to react out of my Holy Spirit. What I hear, what's said to me, whatever comes back is out of my Holy Spirit, not out of my conscious awareness. Amen, Donna? Donna saying, yippee. <laughs> but if we knew this, no one would or could be sick. If we knew this, no one would or could ever lack. And I'm going to talk about this in a few chapters or a few sessions here about the, the uh, sense of lack that's hindered us tremendously. Tears would only be those of joy and gladness and gratitude. What? For, for of him, to him, and through him are all things. That's what Paul was writing there in Ephesians 1, 4. Of him, through him, to him are all things. And that's all inside of you. Yeah. So now, how do we, how do we uh, regain that which we've forgotten? How do we regain that? How do we move away from the futile efforts of becoming that which we already are? Would any of you admit that still all that we've learned, there's still this thought there that I need to do something we still do, don't we? Mm -hmm. There's something, if I could just maybe quit this one problem that I have or, or whatever it is. And see, those are things that need to be eradicated. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, and you need to just remember this and say it all the time. There's nothing I can do that will make me more holier. There's nothing I could do that will make me more righteous. There's nothing I could do that would make me more blessed. Because I was made holy and righteous and blessed from the foundation of the world. And when God says something, it's done. Amen. God spoke to the sun. He created the sun and he said, shine, and it will always shine. When I was a very young man, I heard that man whose breath in his nostrils, I never saw that verse before, that said the sun will burn out in one million years. And I kind of laughed about it first because I thought, well, I won't be here. <laughs> but it won't burn out in one million years because God is the source of its light. God is the source of it regenerating itself. So constantly be thinking that way. The minute a thought comes to you that if I could just quit this, cast that down as a vain imagination by speaking the truth, I already have what I think I would gain if I quit that. And then as you start living out of what you have, then whatever this is 
will just pale in the light of what you have. If you're going to something for peace and you find out that you have peace and you begin to live out of the Prince of Peace, which is actually perfection, right? Then you quit going to that, which brings you false peace. But the truth is everything that you, everything that you would say, if I could just do this, you're trying to bring perfection. And we discovered not too long ago, the word shalom means perfection. So when people speak perfection, they're speaking shalom, right? And you can say peace, but I say peace and perfection because you are perfect already. So quit it. (laughs) Stop it. Remember that counselor? Whatever it is, just stop it because that's not who you are. So the only prerequisite would be that we realize that we cannot keep this law and keep suffering that which follows doing to be that law. We cannot keep the law of sowing and reaping. And that we stop trying to be who we already be right then. The minute you stop that, then life is going to change. It's been a lifetime habit, right? And so by faith, we say, I'm going to stop thinking that way. I'm not dwelling on that. And the thought comes and immediately I take control of that thought and I don't have affairs with it. I don't make movies out of it. I don't write books about it. You know, a lot of people want to write, I'm not against writing journals, but a lot of people want to write their whole life story and talk about everything. I used to write a long time, say all the time, excuse me, all the time that I was going to write a book on how we were the children of the great law, uh, a great lie. And I was going to put in there everything that happened in my home, everything that happened in my church. And finally there came a day that nobody wants to read that. And why would I? All I'm doing is enforcing a lie. Because it has nothing to do with who I am today. So what do we want to do? Let go of human effort to know, to do, and to be. Human effort to know and to do and to be because it does nothing but produce failure. Our job is to lean into the Spirit to allow it, I'm talking about Holy Spirit when I say it, right? To allow it to live its life through us. To allow Holy Spirit to live its life through us. And stop allowing any carnal belief systems and our conscious awareness to live its life through us. And that's been our problem. We've allowed carnally mindful things that we've been told our life to, to live its life through us. And its life is a lower realm life and it produces death, not life. So we can never really be separated from his love because it freely affords us all things. That's another thing that you should meditate on. We can never be separated from God's love it freely affords us all things. It's the love of God that does that. I, I, you know, I, I don't mean to embarrass Ann and Carl, but we, we have a really great relationship with them. They love us. And I know you guys love us too. But guess what? They share their life with us tremendous away. They share that, the love that we have with them or they have for us is what shares their life with us. And we share our life with them. And, and so if we know that God loves us, why wouldn't he share life with us? Why would he withhold from us? Right? No way. And I say he because that's just what we've been trained. But why would spirit, why would Holy Spirit hold anything back from us? Because we are Holy Spirit. When God looks at us, he sees him. Why would he withhold from him? He would not. Romans 8.30. This is my translation. One of these days, I'm going to give you all a printed copy of all this, and you can just flip to it. And I've got a lot to get fixed, but I'm, I'm getting ready to print it pretty soon. Shortly, these things will come to pass. <laughs> okay, Romans 8.30. Moreover, we preexisted in our Creator eternally. We also were declared to be His sons from the foundation. So I always was. I used to argue with people and say, no, I wasn't there from the foundation. Oh, yeah, I was. I'm, I'm, you were too. We were, we were in God's very being. We were in God's very cellular structure, very DNA, divine nature active. We were with God. Since he was declared, since he has declared we are all sons, no gender implied there, he rendered us holy, pure, innocent, and right wise with him. As he is, we are. We are righteous in the eternal past and future without beginning and without end. Since from the beginning, God made us holy, pure, innocent, and right wise. He esteems us as the embodiment and image of himself. We are the face of God is who we are. We radiate the image of our Papa, our Supreme Father. 
Verse 31, what then is left to say? We conclude that our Supreme Divine Father is our eternal Papa, and He's 100% for us and never against us, nor could He be. How can any act, whether it is done by us or someone else, conquer us in any, any way at all? Verse 32, God who acted as Son and without a doubt willingly submitted to the cruelty of man's societal judgment, our Father was in Jesus revealing to us His eternal love and our eternal oneness with Him. Our Supreme Papa in Jesus delivered himself up for us all, and in Jesus everything which we eternally possess was again brought to light. That's what Jesus came to do again to bring us to light. And we get that Papa from the movie The Shack, the book The Shack that Paul Young wrote, and I like it. Papa said, I'm particularly fond of you. Yes. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So we must live in an awareness of of uh, the spirit of divine life and eternal love always filling our being eternal love always flowing out of us eternal love flowing out of our mouth i just i pray that often god put a guard over my mouth because sometimes thoughts that have always been there will slip out or whatever it is i want to guard over my my mouth i want to guard over my ear what i hear i want to guard over my eyes what i see and that guard is the eternal love of god if I understood how much God loves my wife, I would never react in a bad way. So evidently, I don't totally understand that because sometimes we do, don't we, Carl? Well, no, Carl doesn't, but Ann does. I've been around. It's Ann. Ann needs to understand that. <laughs> Look at that. Look at his face. <laughs> we all do. We really need to understand. We would, our, our thoughts would be guarded by the love of God. Because if we, and I've said this many times, how many of you like to plug a USB port up here in your head and put on a projector and let us see all your thoughts? So if we, if we think something about somebody, then we're not, our thoughts aren't governed by the love of God. Now, we're not condemning ourselves. But if we want to experience the love of God in us, then we've got to let it flow, right? If there's something in you, you'll never experience it unless it flows, right? If we're blessed, we're blessed to be children of blessing. That's what cherubim means, people of blessing. We're here to bless people, and we are full of blessing, so why not let it flow? It's just like the manna in the wilderness. God told them to take enough for today, but if you hoard it up, what does it do? It perishes. So what good is it to have all things that pertain to life and godliness and it never flows? Right? So we must let it have the uninterrupted expression that it desires. It, our Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Let our Holy Spirit have the uninterrupted expression that it desires, which is the uninterrupted and unforced flowing of the rhythm, rhythm of life. And this is referred to as the law of spirit and life. That's the law that we're under. I'm going to read a couple of verses here, then I'll close and we'll go on with this this week. I didn't mean to make you cry. <laughs> Allergies. Oh, dang, I thought I touched you. <laughs> I'm playing with it. Is the fan bothering you? Let me turn it off. Okay. Romans 8, 2. It says, now, this is my translation, now the intensified prescription. When you look up at the word law, it's a prescription. Did you know that? Have I told you all before? It says prescription. So Moses gave man his prescription and man added to that. Religion today, would you say, gives their prescription, right? Yeah. Every religion has their own prescription. Some of them, they prescribe how you should look on the outside. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They give you a prescription. So now the intensified prescription of living out of your Holy Spirit, that's God's prescription for us. For life, just as Jesus lived, has delivered us from all the prescription of the Mosaic Law. We are free from the drudgery of offering dead animals, bloody sacrifices, seeds, fruits, gold, silver, and then I added what we do today, uh, talent, right? Your talent, whatever it is to God for appeasement, we're free from that. Tithing, you don't tithe to please God. You give because you're a giver. You give because you have a ministry that you support. You give that you're in a, if you're, you're in a building that has big electric bills and, and salaries and all kinds of stuff that you go to. You give to help them. 
And you give because it's your, it's your nature to give. You give because you, if you give, you undam that which is blocking it from flowing. And that's trying to keep it for yourself. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I like this. I think this is the this is the message translation. I love looking through the message Bible. It says, Are you tired? Sometimes. <laughs> Worn out? Yeah. Sounds like a Burned out on religion? <laughs> right? Yeah. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Okay. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, which is life, which is your Holy Spirit. I will not lay any heavy or ill-fitting on you. Where did all that come from? We had all kinds of burdens putting on us, right? Verse 30, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Travel lightly. I tell you, we do a lot of vacationing, and I, I just try to think, how in the world can I travel lighter and lighter and lighter? Those suitcases and my camera with four lenses, and every time I go, I just try to get less and less and less. Eventually, I'm just going to go with one camera and one lens. <laughs> so when the Apostle Paul asked Father to deliver him from his temptation to depend on his religious upbringing, Father said, my grace is sufficient for you. And what he was saying, draw from your Holy Spirit within. It will deal with that. Your Holy Spirit will deal with that. When you ask God to do something, I want you to hear this. And I'm going to speak on behalf of the Father. My spirit is sufficient for you. Draw from, it will deal with that. It will tell you what to do. It will guide you. It will lead you. It will tell you how to eat right. You know? It will tell you what you put your thoughts on. You know, if you have to go to a doctor and I've got some things I'm going through, I'm listening to my spirit to guide me. Where should I go? Who should I see? And if, and I, if I listen wrong, I'm going to quickly say, oops, Father, I didn't listen correctly. You know, and I love that. John 14, 16. Don't worry. I will not leave you teacherless and guideless. That's what the word comforter means. I will send many, because the word another means many, I will send many teachers, leaders, and guides to explain and help you understand what I do and who you are. You will become aware as a result of what I came to do. Even the spirit of truth, whom carnally-minded people cannot actively take hold of, because they discern not their Holy Spirit, neither are they aware of their Holy Spirit within, but you know yourself, for you know our Holy Spirit dwelleth and exists in you. Verse 18, currently you and the world cannot withdraw from your spirit of truth within because you still live unaware, but you will soon experience a quickening that will allow you to hear the explainers I will anoint to teach you. Your Holy Spirit of truth within them to, will bring great understanding of what I do. Currently you cannot res- receive, discern, or take hold of these things because as of yet you do not know who you are as Holy Spirit and Son of God, nor are you fully aware of your Holy Spirit that eternally abides with you just as in me. Holy Spirit exists in you. Don't worry, you will understand it all. Isn't that good? So can we transcend the natural law of sowing and reaping? Cause and effect. Can we transcend that? Can we quit living out of that? Yes, we can. That's, that's just one of those thoughts that needs to leave us. That it has nothing. And see, oh, Pastor Roy, you're giving them law to sin. No, I'm not. You know, nobody's ever asked if they can go out and if they and not pay their tithe or, you know, whatever the church calls sin or go out and lie or go out and eat too much ice cream. People are going to do what they want to do. But I'm letting you know, whatever you're doing, you're not you're not condemned because you're doing it. You're 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 experiencing you're experiencing condemnation because you're condemning yourself because you're doing it. Right. And there again, I just say when you quit fighting and trying to be and you just have fellowship with your father and draw from your father, all that stuff perishes and it goes away. There are things that I used to beat myself up over. I don't do it anymore. Back before I knew anything, I was at full gospel assembly teaching once and I was teaching, but my other side of my brain that thinks was thinking about something else and I was thinking, Lord, help me with this. And the Lord just spoke to me while I was teaching and said, your problem is, is you think Stopping that is going to make you better and you're condemning yourself. And that, that was a great revelation to myself to stop it. Yeah. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. 
Don't sit there and worry about it. If, if you've got something in you, sickness and disease, don't worry about it. Just feed on the truth. Amen. And it's not easy, I know. I mean, I had a possible diagnosis that did scare me. But you know what? I just keep believing it's not a power. It's not a power. And the answer's coming, and I'm going to be just fine. So there's only, I'm closing here, there's only one way to do this, and that's to find and place herself under the one and only higher law. The Bible refers to it as the law of spirit and life. If you want life, you've got to get it out live out of your spirit. If you, don't, if you don't live out of your spirit, then you're not getting real life. You're, you're living out a carnal life, and it's not real, and it's not permanent. Oh, but I've got millions of dollars. Well, that's carnal life. Millions of dollars can go away overnight. Sir? That's right. So that's what I want. I want to enter into this law. I want to understand and allow the effects of the law of spirit life to function in my life. And I want that for you too. So I appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoyed that. And I encourage you, if you didn't listen to next week, you need to go back because you missed a whole chapter of what I wrote. And it's, oh, it's, it's really good. And so I hope you'll do that. If you can't get it on, uh, if you can't get it on YouTube, I, I can literally give you a flash drive with it on there today if you want to take it home and look at it. So they have a hard time with, yeah. with Wi-Fi out there. So appreciate you being here. Love you. Thank you, everybody on the Internet. Hey, Dwayne Hobson, it's good to see you. George Watson, you know, names are going to start popping up here real quick. <laughs> but I love all of you. Thank you. Hi, Don. Bye-bye. Bye. Teresa Ferguson.